Today, David gives advice to business lawyers. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, today I'm answering a question submitted via YouTube from Courtney Frazier, um, who was watching the video Cutthroat Business Mindset, uh, and then submitted the following question or, or comment. And um, she asks, what skills and processes would you recommend a young business lawyer learn to be able to help entrepreneurs, small and medium business owners, as well as business brokers? I think it's a great question. It's a great question because over the course of my career, I can tell you I've dealt with a lot of different business lawyers in a lot of different jurisdictions. And um, what I have run into runs the gamut from people who are very efficient and expeditious and want to help get a deal done really quickly and in the most expedient way to people who want to send memos to their clients about certain paragraphs in a contract that they'll spend 90 minutes composing and then send it as an attachment. And that like, so they're billing hour after hour after hour after hour. And every time that I mention you know, lawyers running up time tabs with people. I get tons of emails back from business people in my audience who say, I was a victim of that. So my advice to a young business attorney who wants to like work in this space would be this. Number one, productize your services and create a menu. So what does that look like? Well, you could have, for example, buy a business as an asset sale. It's a package. What does the package include? It includes, you know, sitting down with you to do an initial consultation, evaluation of what the deal is. It includes creating the, uh, you know, purchase agreement. It includes creating the promissory note. It includes creating a non-compete clause, you know, whatever, or, or contract. And you can list it out. And then I would put percentages beside each item in the menu. This is important for a minute here. And so what you can then do is create this menu of products. So like when you when you go to the restaurant and you order the salmon, it says, you know, salmon dinner, this is the price. It doesn't say, um, you know, varies depending on how long the chef spends making it, right? And that's what people are afraid of. They wanna know at the beginning of the process what it's going to take. Now, that doesn't mean that you're confined within the rigid guidelines. What you can do is you can have items in there like the initial consultation is one hour. Well, if they go over an hour, you can build them for more than that, right? But you want to create this upfront expectation, um, upfront pricing. And the reason why I, put, I, I say that you want to have percentages of the for each menu item of what's included is because oftentimes you're going to have a client that will initiate a transaction. I'm going to buy that business. And then you start working on the file. The due diligence is occurring. The CPA is over there doing their thing. And then something comes up and causes the whole thing to halt. And the deal never gets done. Well, then you can say, here are the items that I never did. And so we're going to adjust that off your bill. 
Um, and if, if you're forthright and, and, and transparent in that way, what will happen is the next deal that person finds, they're going to come straight back to you. Right. So you're don't look at it as, oh, I had a $10,000 engagement and then I had to give, you know, credit back 5,700. That'll come back to you. Believe me, uh, especially as your reputation grows as someone who, who does this kind of thing. Um, when I had my business brokerage open, I found one particular lawyer who was really good at getting things done in a quick and efficient manner and within a budget that made sense for the size of the deal. So you may even want to have menu pricing based upon the size of the business. And so the bigger the investment that the buyer is making, the more sense it makes to invest more in doing things like in the legal due diligence and things like that. If it's a $60,000 business purchase, nobody wants to spend 25 grand on that. But if it's a million dollar business purchase, people don't have a problem spending 40 grand, right? So it, it depends on what the deal is and how much effort you're going to be putting into it. So put that thought into your pricing. Um, needs to be process driven with checklists. So for real estate law, you know, there's a lot of lawyers out there who do home purchases and they do one after another, after another, after another, and their paralegals and their other office workers are doing a lot of that work for them because it's highly, um, repetitive system driven type of stuff. Right. And so you want to in, try to introduce the same sort of things into your process. So I'll give you an example of uh, one of my clarity clients, I've been talking with him. They, he had a lawyer who was a, a pretty good lawyer and they were dealing with a lawyer on the other side who was nitpicking and running up time tabs like crazy and arguing every little point. And one of your big jobs as a lawyer is to make sure that your client understands all the different risks in the deal. And you know, I've often said that if you let a lawyer try to protect you from every risk, you're gonna end up with a 60 or 100 page contract that the other party's never going to sign because it's just too big and, and there's just you know too much fear and it's too hard to manage that kind of thing. And so here's what I would recommend for you as a, as a lawyer is to create a some kind of document, a checklist of risks, right? So risk A, you know, the, the seller goes and opens up a competing business the next day after the deal. And so that's the risk. How do we mitigate the risk? What is the strategy? We're going to have a non-competition agreement. We're going to have a non-solicitation agreement so they can't hire away employees. And the seller note is going to be subject to offset in the case of a, mis a material misrepresentation of which the, you know, the warranty that they will not compete with us is one of these representations, right? And then your client, the buyer, for example, would then have to check one of three different boxes. Like, is this non-negotiable? we have to have this non-compete agreement. They can check that off. Is this something that we can negotiate, talk about, you know, deal with the other side on? Is this a risk that can be ignored, right? And just, and have them go through and actually let you know what is important to them and what is not. Because in this, in this case, and it was in, in New York City, the seller's lawyer was putting up all these roadblocks about all these different things that they believed were important to their client as far as risk mitigation. And when it came to a head and there was a, a roadblock and, and the negotiations came to an impasse, the buyer called the seller directly, went through 12 or 13 points in 30 minutes and hashed them all out. And it turned out that almost every point 
that the seller's lawyer was trying to argue was of no consequence to the seller. They didn't care, right? So the buyer got almost everything tipped his way just because there was no proper communication between the seller and their client. So from your side of the table, uh, helping a buyer, for example, or sellers, you can create a, a risk matrix where you can identify all the risks in the transaction or post-transaction, what your strategy is as far as contracts, paperwork, um, deal structure, et cetera, to mitigate those risks and how they work, and then the level of importance that your client places on those. So things that are like not important, well, those become negotiating stratagems where you can say, well, this is important to us, but we'll, you know, we'll give up this, this, and this, right? Because they're not important to you anyway. Or, you know, so that you're on the same page with your client instead of what typically happens where you're going back and forth between both parties, both councils, and then you're, you know, as you come to a loggerhead on an item, you then go back to your client and you sit and you explain, this is, you know, why it's important. This is why we want to have it. This is what they're saying, you know, what decisions you want to make. So you can definitely create tools that are going to help expedite the flow of work that you're going to do as a lawyer in doing these deals. And it's also a CYA thing, right? So, you know, if somebody says to you, this risk is not important to me, or I don't believe it's a very high risk, I'm not worried about it. And then two years after they come back to you and say, hey, how come you didn't let me know about this? You can bring that out and say, like, we discussed it and you said it wasn't important, right? So, so that there's a very clear level of communication between you and the client. And, and really, you know, that's it. That's my advice for a young lawyer that wants to do work in this space is upfront with pricing. Don't get a reputation as someone who, who lets the meter run and, and runs up huge legal bills. Um, have processes so that your clients can appreciate the communication between the two of you. And every deal you do that is expedient and efficient and done on time and under budget with no surprises, you're going to have such a beacon of referrals out there because this is one of the biggest things. I mean, I'm in Canada. People email me from all different states in the US asking if I know a good lawyer in that locality, right? And it's obviously it's because of the YouTube channel and stuff, but they're having such a hard time through their own personal networks, finding a glowingly positive review of someone that they can use to help them with their deal that they're reaching out to someone way outside their own market just to see if there's anyone they can recommend. And, and I have recommended attorneys before in different places because I've talked with them and I know that they're experts and whatnot, but I'm a big fan of people doing business locally when it comes to something like legal advice, because there's always going to be, you know, statutes and laws specific to a given state country, even municipality sometimes, uh, depending on the industry and how it's regulated that local representation is always something that I recommend. It's, it's key, especially when we're talking about these main street, small size businesses. And, you know, being that connected person who's doing a lot of deals in a community, um, it's going to open up the door for you in other ways as your career grows. As you become more established, you're going to have other kinds of business opportunities that are going to present themselves because you'll have that reputation as the, as the lawyer that gets things done the way that she says and on time and on budget. And with that, I'll say thank you very much. If um, if anyone else out there is interested in this, you know, whole topic of 
creating systems and, and running a business better, um, the one thing that I can advise you is to head over to easy small biz systems. That's easy small biz B I Z systems.com. And I've got a program. It teaches you how to take an, an existing functioning business and systematize it in 13 different steps. And what you end up with is a complete org chart, all the roles defined, an operating manual that is a living document that you can use to train new people. I hired someone a few months ago here and basically was able to say, look, here are the different roles you're filling. Here are the different responsibilities. And it was an easy roadmap for me to onboard my new assistant. And uh, you can do it too. And there's also sections in there on how you then create workflow tools. And this is what I'm talking about, about like a risk matrix. Um, this would help you out, Courtney, and anyone else out there who is struggling with the idea of how they're going to get a handle on creating systems and processes to manage a business, head over to easysmallbizsystems.com. And uh, with that, I'll say thank you very much. Thanks for the question. I always like it when uh, when I get to give advice to people who typically are the ones giving advice. Anyway, we'll see you later next time, everyone, and keep the questions coming. Thanks. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com, use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.